Good morning. Good to see everybody today. I hope you have your Bible on your lap and you can use it to help you take your notes. That would be super. Um, How about if we uh, pray before we get started? Our great God and Father, we praise your holy name. We worship you in your goodness and your sovereignty. We are grateful for this day. We are grateful for your word. Thank you for each woman here. Thank you for the opportunity to learn together. Lord, uh, I know you have something to say to each one of us. Would you please keep our ears and hearts open to what that would be? In Christ's name, amen. So before we get started this morning, I just wanted to chat with you briefly about our study. So, if... It's kind of challenging, would you say? Yeah. Um, And just so you know, it's challenging for all of us. Uh, Whether we've been in study for two minutes or 20 years, it's a challenging study. And it is, um, I think one of the things that we were so excited about as leadership with this study is it, it covers such a great scope of scripture. We're getting uh, the Old Testament, how it's connected with the New. We're seeing how prophecies are fulfilled, right? And and we are just learning so much. And that is such an exciting thing. The learning is exciting. Sometimes the wading through can be a little challenging, right? And maybe even, dare I say, discouraging. But here's what I want to say to you ladies. Here's just what I want us to do, to think about. I just want you to be so encouraged because I want to ask you, how many of you last week read Matthew 1 and 2 while preparing for your study? How many of you this week read Matthew 3 and 4 while preparing for your study? You are in God's word. You are in God's word. You are being grounded in what the truth that he has to give to each one of us. And it, yes, it can be difficult um, and challenging, but here's what I know about each one of you. We can do hard things. We can do challenging things. You know how I know that? Because I know that you do them every single day. Some of you are moms of young kids or teenagers ah, or um, those who maybe empty nests. Maybe you're going through a tough time in your marriage or dealing with relationship. Maybe it's a health issue or finances or, or just life. It's a hard thing, right? Ladies, you do hard things every day. We can do challenging things. And here's the the truth, is that when we are going through God's word, this is for our good. God's word changes our lives. It changes our minds and our hearts and our souls for eternity. We're not just spinning our wheels. This is the truth that we gain. The knowledge of our great God that we may love him more 
and serve him more and know him more. We just don't want to have something that we check off our list. And that's the encouraging, I hope that you're encouraged by the way that, that we've set up to, to do study together, is that we do the study at home. And you might have questions, and you might look at this and say, I have no idea, I have no idea. Write it in the space. That's all right. And maybe it's from chapter 3, and you think, I have no idea what this is asking, but this is what I saw in chapter 3. This is what I learned from God's word in that part. And then you come, and then we have some teaching. And our prayer, Chrissy and I, is that, that as we study and the Lord speaks to us, that, that we're able to encourage you and maybe bring some light to his word. And then you get to go meet with your small group, and you get to wrestle through these things. The point of being in our small groups is not that we all come together and we all have our little right answers, and then the question is asked, and we're like, oh, here's my right answer, and here's my right answer, and here's my right answer. That's not it. It's, I don't know. What do you think? How can we work this out together? And, oh, this is what the Lord is showing me in my life at this point, and this is how his word touched my heart. And we're learning together. We're wrestling together. That's what, that's what we do this for. We're believers coming together, getting in God's word together. Had a little thought about this. Um, some of you may know that last summer, my dad suffered a stroke. And while he is doing well uh, physically, his body, his mind, he has trouble. He can't talk. Um, we just say, Dad, you're speaking in tongues, you know, because he's just saying all these words that we don't know. Um, and we're so grateful to God because he knows. He, he knows what's going on. He can understand when we're talking to him. And as he's gotten, at the beginning, we didn't know that would be, but as he's gotten better, he's able to use other things now or point to something, you know, to help communicate. But he'll have a word here and a word there. And as my son Cade prayed over him one day, he just said, Lord, give Papa a couple more words today, tomorrow, that he doesn't have today. And when I sit with my dad and he's talking, he's gibbering, and I'm listening, and I'm on the edge of my seat, just giving him my undivided attention because I want to hear when, when is that word going to come that he's going to know, that, that it's going to help me know what he's trying to say. And I wait and I'll sit there for a half hour, for an hour, and just let him know that I love him and that I'm listening and I'm trying to understand just for that one word. And sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I get to hear him say my name. It makes the connection. He'll say, oh, Julie, and he'll put his hand on my cheek. I would wait for hours for that. Ladies, God is speaking to us. And sometimes we're reading and we're like, God, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not getting it. Keep going. Keep asking him, 
Lord, speak to me. I do want to know. I want to hear what you have to say. And we keep digging, and we keep waiting, and we keep reading and listening because it's so worth it to hear our Lord speak to us, to give us truth that changes our hearts and our minds and our souls. So I want to encourage you, ladies. I just want to encourage you so much as you open your study every week. Ask the Lord, the Spirit, open my eyes. What will you have? What, what do you have to teach me today about you that will change my mind and my heart and my soul? What is it? Show me, Lord. He is faithful. He will do it. It might not be every single answer in this book. But his word is living and active. And he wants to speak to you through it. So I just want to encourage you. Stay the course. Stay the course. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. And I was so encouraged this week. As we were studying Matthew 3 and 4. And there's a lot of <clears throat> talk in all of Matthew, all the Gospels, actually, about the kingdom of heaven. Right? Did that word come up often enough, more and more? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It will be both. It's interchangeable. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, they are the same. They are the same. And as we are going through God's word and looking at that, I just wanted to clarify... I just wanted it to be clear for you, what is the kingdom of heaven? I just wanted that to be clear for you, what is the kingdom of heaven? And I wanted that to be a good way to look at it and to just have it be known to you that the kingdom of heaven can be summed up in simply God's reign. God's reign. Now, I took this quote that you have uh, that is up here on the screen um, from John Piper because it's not just like a king sitting in a castle and, oh, here are my subjects right here in front of me, just right here, but with God's reign. It is God's sovereignty, God's reign over everything over the whole wide world. Not just this one little sliver. It is God's kingly rule over everything. His reign, his action over it all. And haven't we seen his hand from the Old Testament all the way through to even now as you sit here. We know that his, his will, his desire is for the salvation of men, the forgiveness of sins, the salvation of the soul. And all of his reigning, all of his rule, his lordship over history, over every little thing moves to that moves to that end. 
God's lordship, his sovereign governance. It's all his. Not just a tiny sliver. We're not talking about just an earthly king who gets a tiny sliver for a tiny sliver of time. We're talking about God and his reign over everything. That is the kingdom of heaven and how it is ushering in peace and restoration, reconciliation with his reign. something that we that we look at that we can see is that when Jesus Christ came with his birth that's God ushering in his kingdom his lordship his rule is coming to bring the peace and the restoration and the reconciliation all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, and here he is on the earth, and we're, we're studying um, his life, and looking at his life, and learning, and we look at our today, is it all done? Is all the hurt and the sorrow gone? Not yet. But with Christ came in the new covenant that we can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And so that's the already. That's already here. The kingdom of heaven is here. And yet the not yet until it's fully completed that is still coming. So we are living in the already, but the not yet. God's kingdom. And I love and hear how we learn about John the Baptist. He came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's here already. This was after, I mean, we got the announcement of Christ's birth, right? We didn't get this here, talking about John proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand for about 30 years. John the Baptist, the heralder, the great announcer, as the scripture calls him here, the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, a fulfillment here. You might want to mark that fulfillment of a prophecy. It's right here. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is John's message. He, his, he's what? In the Old Testament and Isaiah, he's simply called the voice. The voice. The one who proclaims and who heralds, the king is coming. And he is saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Make ready the way of the Lord. Keep his path, make his path straight. The, in those days, before a king would come, there would come a herald or before who would let the townspeople know that the king was coming. And they would have to, part of, he would say, make way, get ready, the king will be coming on this road. He's gonna, and they would, uh, part of that was so that they would fix the road that he was going to be coming on. There were going to be potholes or there were ditches or whatever. The people would repair the road so that it would be fit for the king to come on. And John is saying, make way, make the path straight. Get your heart ready, he is saying. Repent. Turn from your sins. Make your heart ready, for the king is coming. Make your heart ready that you are ready to hear what he has to say. That you're ready to meet him. He's having the people come to be baptized. Not offer a sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. But to be cleansed. Making their hearts ready for the king who is here. And that's what we're seeing in the part also in Scripture where he is talking, where everybody's coming to him, right, to be baptized in the Jordan River. And in the Jordan River, um, when the Israelites were going to be going into the land of Canaan, they had to cross the Jordan River. And they had been in the wilderness for 40 years after they refused to believe that God would actually give them the land. He said, this generation won't see it. And you're going to wander for 40 years until that generation dies out. And when the time came, they made a new covenant with the Lord right here at the Jordan River that he would be their God, that they would follow him into the new land, that they would trust his promise. And right here at the Jordan River, John the Baptist is baptizing people. A new covenant. But when he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees on, in ch on chapter 3, verse 7, that coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, John speaking, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And you might be thinking, what is he talking about? He's talking about... They're coming. They're supposed to be coming for repentance, to turn from their sins. To what? Cleanse their heart. But he knows 
They're just coming for show. And he's telling them, he's telling them, you can't, you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, we do things, we act from our hearts because we are so sad and we've turned from our sin. And he knows that it's not them. And they want to say, oh, well, we're children of Abraham. And do you know that here at the Jordan, um, most likely they built a monument to God of his faithfulness with large stones. Huge. I don't mean large like, you know, your kids go and find a, a nice stone that fits in their hand. No, stones. Huge. That they stacked up. One for each tribe. I would guess that there were some of those stones left there. They're looking at them. And he's saying, God is able to raise up children to Abraham here out of these stones. That's not going to get you in. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. And God sees your heart. And he is saying, with the kingdom of God being at hand, the axe is at the root of the tree waiting to see, is it bearing fruit? Is there a change from the inside out that we see? Christ with his, he's talking here about that he, um, with his winnowing fork in his hand, they would grab up the hay and throw it up and the wind would blow the bad stuff over here and the, the seeds would float to the bottom because they were heavier. That's how they separated. And he's saying, the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, he's coming and he knows how to separate. He sees the heart. That is the, that is what we are looking at as a, the, heart of the kingdom is that our heart is turning from sin we are turning in repentance we are looking to God and we are looking to him to cleanse us as we are looking next we see that Jesus comes and he wants to be baptized by John if we hear and if we follow everything we know about John, his whole purpose is to what? Build up Jesus. Build up Jesus. Proclaim who he is. Proclaim that he's coming. He has arrived. He's to make Jesus great. So of course he would be shocked when Jesus says, you must baptize me. Speak of, I'm not even fit to take off your sandals. But Jesus says, permitted at this time. In this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus, the great God, Son of God, God in flesh, humbling himself 
to fulfill all righteousness. His focus is sure. As Jesus was baptized and he came up immediately out of the water, this is, this is Jesus' anointing. How they would anoint a king before he would be to come king. They would, he would be marked with the anointing. This is Jesus coming up out of the water as the spirit of God descending as a dove upon him. This is the one. This is the one. The kingdom of God is at hand. Right here. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father. To everyone, announcing, confirming, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. How beautiful here we see the Trinity. God the Father speaking. God the Son in obedience. And God the Holy Spirit. All in one picture. It's a beautiful thing the way the Lord works. As we... What happens next? It's kind of like, I think, a mountaintop experience, wouldn't you say? We have Jesus Christ. We have the Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. People could see it. We hear the voice of God. Any of you have any of those mountaintop experiences? When you just, whether it's your time away with God, or maybe you're you're at an ocean or the mountains and you're so filled up with Him, or you're singing worship, or whatever it is. And you think, yes, forever and ever. Whatever you say, Lord, I am totally yours. And your heart is true, absolutely. And then what happens sometimes after those mountaintop experiences? your faith ever been tested after that? Have you gotten in the car to go home and your kids are just fighting and kicking and screaming and oh, here we are. But do we draw on those? Do we go back to that this is still true? No matter what's happening over here, this is still true. Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit led him there. He didn't go there because he was looking for temptation. But he went into the wilderness. And after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> I'm just laughing to myself. I mean, did any of you just chuckle about this? Just thinking, 40 minutes. 40 minutes and I could be cranky. 
40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. What was he doing at that time before? My guess is that he's preparing. He's in communion with his father. Can we get just a little picture here? If we're going to be in the kingdom, and as Jesus Christ is setting up his kingdom, there are a few things that we need to know. We are going to be kingdom women. We need to know that the enemy... I can't think of one nice thing to say. Uh, and I shouldn't. He's not. He is slimy and deceiving and evil and wants to take us away from God. Wants us to live in the untrue. He wants us to live in the, the false, in the doubt. He wants us to live in the dark. So he says to Jesus, and this, this part still just flabbergasts me, but here it is. If you are the Son of God, if, if you are the Son of God, trying what he did with Eve in the garden, did God really say, did God really say not to eat that? She thinks, I don't, I don't know. Did he? They start to get a little flustered. He's trying the same thing with Jesus. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be bread. If you are who you say you are, and God, you're God's Son, and you're starving out here, is he taking care of you? Has he left you alone? those things start to come into your head ever? You start to wonder what did Jesus answer? Verse 4 highlight it over and over, memorize it. It is written man shall not live on bread alone, but if he doesn't live on bread alone, what shall he live on? Ah, it's right here, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Ladies, you're looking at it. Every week, I pray every day. This is what we live on. God's word brings us life. It brings us life, it brings us nourishment. It strengthens us for when the enemy throws out things to you. Does God really love you? Would he allow this if he did? You're alone. You've done too many things. You can't be forgiven. Lies. Lies from the pit of hell. And if we know God's word, if we know God's word, can combat that lie with the truth. Just a quick little point. Um, all three of these verses that Jesus quotes, they're from one book of the Bible in the Old Testament. Does anybody remember from what that was here in the, in the fall? Does anybody remember the book that it came from? Shout it out if you know. Deuteronomy. Excellent. Deuteronomy. No, just just 
tidbit, nothing, nothing you need to memorize, but just that, that, that is Deuteronomy. Think of that. And those are the, that's where Jesus went to quote. There's some great verses in there for our life and our foundation of our faith. And one of them is at the end in chapter 32. And Moses has told these people all in Deuteronomy, all these great things about the Lord and how to train up your child and how you not live by bread alone. And he says, all these words, they are not merely words for you. They are your life. They are your life. Knowing God, knowing God changes us, ladies. Then the devil wanted him to throw himself off somewhere so that God could save him. Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord God to your test, to the test. You just, we just don't do things frivolously for things that we know of God. We don't ask him to. Lord, you know what, if you really will, change this into something else. Do this, do that. These are things that God, Jesus knew. He, I'm the son of God. He, why would I test him? I don't need him to prove anything to me. Flippance, flippancy, to bring God down to our level. This is not the same as when we are like, Lord, I'm having trouble. My heart is hurting and I need you. Please, please speak to me. Please show me you. That's different. This is flippancy. And then when the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, who made all the kingdoms of the world? All the glory? Is there anything? I mean... I don't even know how this would be enticing. But what did he really want? All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, go, Satan, get out. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Him only. There it is, ladies. Here's our foundational truths for the kingdom. Here's our foundation for living in the kingdom. God alone. Jesus Christ never lost his focus. It is always God. He is the only one worthy. And his word is in our hearts to change us. There was just something I wanted to go over before we end today. Because magic. Um, for those of you listening, my stand just went down very far. Um, but that's all right. There was just something in our lesson that really hit my heart and as I was preparing for this, and it's on page 25 of your lesson, that if you all could, um, you don't have to turn to it now, it's going to be on the screen, but if you could look at it. But it's this whole thought, ladies, the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom of God to bring peace and reconciliation. And this on page 25 
The arrival of the kingdom of heaven calls for a response. He's suggesting of repentance. Repentance refers to a radical reorientation of life. It refers to the turning of one's mind and heart and will away from sin and toward God in faith. With this reorientation of the deepest affections of our hearts, our thoughts and actions will also begin to change. Ladies, God's reign. He is over everything. And his kingdom is at hand. And Jesus Christ ushers that in. Because he has now brought the way of repentance and reconciliation and forgiveness and salvation. That's here now. That's here now. Available to us. And I just love this part. Um, stand up really quick. Really quick, 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 quick. Turn around. Here's what we're doing. As you're facing that way, that is you are facing the, the sin and the ugliness and everything in your life. Now turn around. Spin. Because we are turning. We are turning our minds and our hearts and our will away from sin. And we are turning to God. Ladies, turn to him. Your heart, your mind, your will, away from sin. Turn toward God. Reorient our, your deepest affections of your heart to the one who reigns. Jesus Christ has come. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What will you do? What will you do with the one who reigns? What will you do? Will you turn? Set your deepest affections on him? That's my prayer for each one of us, ladies. That we may continue to turn day by day, minute by minute. That our deepest affections will be set on the one who reigns.